0: Okay, Since the dawn of the uh, Christian church, since the very, very earliest of days, uh, when seeking to understand something of Jesus' redemptive work, what the church has done is interpret that in terms of what is known as the threefold office of Christ. Have we as a congregation heard of that? We have, haven't we? The threefold office office of Jesus Christ. and something that is often attributed to John Calvin, but in actual fact goes back much, much, much further. Christians have understood Jesus' mediatorial work in terms of prophet, priest, and king, threefold office of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has instituted those offices in the Old Testament, hasn't he? We go to the Old Testament, we see God institute prophet, he institutes the role of priest, he institutes the role of king, and then what has Jesus Christ done? In a sense, there's two things that Jesus has done. One, he unifies those roles, doesn't he? In Christ, these three roles are unified in him and his person and work. So he unifies those roles. What's the second thing that Jesus does? He fulfills those roles. The roles of prophet, priest, and king. Well, if you were with us this morning at St. Peter's, then you'll know that we looked at something of Christ fulfilling the Old Testament office of king. We looked at that this morning. So this evening, what we're going to do is we're going to delve into that a little bit further, and we're going to consider tonight Christ fulfilling the Old Testament office of prophet. That's tonight's subject. Christ as the fulfillment of the Old Testament role of prophet. And to do that this evening, what I want us to do is to consider three persons. That's the plan this evening, to think about three people so maybe as a detective would do, investigating a, a case by interviewing three persons one after the other across his desk. That's what I want us to do tonight. I want us to investigate Christ as prophet by considering three persons one after the other, okay? So here itching to know (laughs) who's the first person. Okay, yes. Well, the first person I want us to to think about and investigate, quite simply, is an Old Testament prophet. You can choose the prophet. It's up to you. But we're thinking about any Old Testament prophet. That's the first thing that we need to think about uh, this evening. Okay, now, uh, regardless of who you are, or regardless of how long that you've been part of churches, you know this, definitely. You know that prophets appear very frequently throughout the Old Testament Scriptures. All of us, from the youngest to the oldest in here, we all know that. From the garden, right? From Genesis, right through the Old Testament, what do we encounter? Time and time again, we meet prophets frequently. But if tonight, as we're saying, if Jesus Christ if he actually fulfills this Old Testament role, what, what do we need to contemplate right now? We need to think, well, wait a minute. Who are these prophets? Like, what did these prophets actually do, right? I, uh, I, I want to tell you about the mistake that, or the way that I used to think about this so that you can laugh at me. Um, when I was young, so when I was eight, nine, or 10, round about that age, I liked nothing more than sitting down at night and watching a game of football with my dad. Okay, that was the pinnacle uh, for an eight or nine or 10-year-old boy. So it was brilliant because I was so young, I would get to stay up late. And my younger brother, he was in bed, which is even better. And I got to sit with my dad and I get to watch a little bit of the football. I love this. Now, as a wee boy, what I used to do, eight years old, is I used to, at kickoff, I used to try and predict what the score line was going to be. Okay, so you can see me there, sitting on this chair, so excited, like, Dad, be the kickoff, and be, Dad, I know what the score's going to be, Dad. Dad, it's going to be 5-0 to Scotland. (laughs) Clearly delusional as as a little child. But my dad at that point would say the same thing to me every single time. So there was this ringing catchphrase throughout my childhood in a situation like that. And it would be this. He would say, Andy, what do you think you are? Do you think you're an Old Testament prophet or something? Now, do you see what happened? Because of that scenario, I grew up thinking like this. I grew up thinking an Old Testament prophet, that is someone who predicts the future. That's someone who clearly foretells the future. What do you think about that? You're with me when I say there's, there's truth in that, isn't there? Think about Jeremiah. He predicts the captivity of people for 70 years, and guess what happens? They're in captivity for 70. So there's truth in it, but you know the issue here, do you? The issue is that there was much, much more to the Old Testament office of prophet than just these men and women foretelling the future. So what do we ask? We ask, well, prophets, what else did they do? Okay, Andy, we've got that they predict the future. What else did they do? Will you stick with me? What else did they do? Second thing they did is these prophets, they performed miraculous events, miraculous acts, rather. And here I need the help of the younger people So maybe the boys and girls who are here tonight, you can listen up, okay? So you can help me. So you won't have to shout anything out. You just listen to me, okay? So if you think about Moses for a moment, we know the story of Moses, don't we? So Moses, this Old Testament prophet, I wonder if you can think of any miracles that Moses performed. You don't have to shout them out, but can we think about them? What did Moses do? Splitting some water, maybe? we get that? Hitting a rock, water gushing out. What else did Moses? Can we remember what Moses did with his staff? Moses throws down his staff and it becomes a snake, doesn't it? Do, do, does everybody see it? So Old Testament prophets sometimes perform miracles. Why? To validate, to authenticate the message that they were bringing from God. So what did they do? We've got the first thing, that they predict the future. Then they perform miraculous acts. Stick with me, though. What else did Old Testament prophets do? Do you know? They performed symbolic acts as well. And here I can move from the kids and I can move to the parents. Because if you are a parent in the room, you know all about symbolic activity. If you think back to the terrible twos, or thereabouts. We know that when our children are that sort of age, perhaps they won't eloquently speak back to us, but what will they do? But they will act in defiance, won't they? Uh, I can remember uh, that uh, a certain person not a million miles away from me who won't be named in case they're embarrassed, uh, when they were two or three years old, what they would do, they, they would have... Uh, a a -a tete-a-tete with their mother. And instead of moaning and instead of shouting and going back, what they would do is this. Uh, This two-year-old would plonk themselves on the ground, fold their legs, fold their arms, and refuse to budge. They weren't going anywhere. Now, they weren't maybe let off with that, but what is that, if anything? That's a symbolic act. (laughs) isn't it? An act of defiance. Well, think about what you see in the Old Testament scriptures. Time and time again, as you work through the Old Testament, what you find is God calling his prophets to act in a similar way. So, time and time again, the prophets are to act and act symbolically in order to convey a message to the people. I'm sure you can think of examples. What about Jeremiah? Do we remember Jeremiah having to wear a yoke upon his back in order to convey this message of slavery, captivity? What about Micah? Micah had to walk around naked for a while to convey a message. You see it, don't you? The prophets predict. The prophets perform miracles to authenticate. The prophets also engage in symbolic activity. But then there is a last, a fourth and a last one. And it is by far and away the most important. We are asking, who are these? Across the desk, this Old Testament prophet. Who are the prophets? What do they do? Listen. Most important prophets were authorized spokespeople from God. Did you hear it? Authorized spokespeople from God. I would like you to think about for a moment a famous lawyer who comes to mind. Maybe you can think about a lawyer from fiction. Who do we go to? Atticus Finch? Maybe? Saul Goodman? Perhaps? I don't know. But do you see the point as you look to the scriptures? What did the prophets do? Yeah, they, they stood between God and his people. And they brought a message to those people. And yes, sometimes that message was a message of salvation. But do you know what? More often than not in the Old Testament Scriptures, it wasn't. More often than not, the prophets acted as prosecuting lawyers. Do you follow the idea? They stood and they brought a message from God. And it was a message that condemned Israel for its law-breaking law breaking lawyers taking a message from God citing evidence of Israel's transgressions. Do you see it? As we consider tonight an Old Testament prophet, what do you think? Are you making the mistake that I made and it's just about predicting the future? It's not, is it? We see that these men, these women had big roles. They brought God's word in a huge variety of different ways. It's um roughly about a year and a half uh, since uh, Catherine and I packed up our stuff and uh, came up the road and uh, sought to make a new life in in Dundee. It's about a year and a half. And uh, reflecting on that move, I think uh, at that time, about 18 months ago, that one of the things that really struck me was how uh, ethnically diverse Uh, Dundee is as a city. It really struck me when I I arrived. You can imagine, as somebody who's lived in London (laughs) for 10 years, um, I'm kind of no stranger to diversity in a sense. And uh, I'm used to living in a place where all of these different nationalities are are living in the one place. And I I guess I just wasn't expecting that to be so much reflected in, in the city of Dundee. And it is Isn't it? So people from all over the globe in their wisdom (laughs) have found themselves coming, gravitating towards Bonnie Dundee. Well, as we seek to be active in Christian witness in this city, that is something that you and I should be giving prayerful consideration to. After all, what's the reality of Dundee? The reality, because of all of these different ethnicities, there is in Dundee a whole host of different ideas about who Jesus is. Right now, in this city around here, all manner of different ideas about the identity of Jesus. And that brings us to a second person that we have to consider tonight. So, across the desk has been an Old Testament prophet— But secondly, tonight, I want you with me to consider the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, to consider Jesus. Okay? And really, there are two questions to pose at this point. Here is the first one. And again, I want the boys and the girls and the young people to think about this question, to wrestle with it. It's this question. Was Jesus a prophet? There is the question. In the true sense of the word, was Jesus a prophet? a prophet? Is it not an interesting question for us to consider? Was Jesus a prophet? I think, honestly speaking, I think there's probably two areas, two lines of evidence that we could pursue. First would be Jesus' own self-understanding. If we were to ask Jesus, would Jesus say that he was a prophet? There's lots of places we could go to answer that. I wonder if we could put up on the screen uh, Luke chapter 13, verse 33. Remember what we're asking of Scripture. Is Jesus a prophet? What about Jesus' self-understanding? Luke 13, 33. We got it here. You read it. Jesus says, nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Jesus will go on to say this. He will go on to say, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. What, what's our answer here? Does Jesus view himself as a prophet? Absolutely, he, he seems to, doesn't he? It's a self-understanding. But then there's this second area, and that is, Christian friend, the evidence of Jesus' life and ministry. Come on, let's think about what we just said about Old Testament prophets. What did we just say? Old Testament prophets predicted the future. And what do we know? So did Jesus. Jesus foretold Peter's denials and the destruction of the temple. Jesus was even able to predict the very details of his own death. What else did we say? We say these Old Testament prophets performed miraculous acts. You say with me, so did Jesus of Nazareth, didn't he? He turned water into wine, didn't he? He healed the blind and the lame. He even raised the dead. And why? Like Moses, Jesus performs these miracles to authenticate and to validate his words, his ministry. But then we hit a wall. Because I I want to remind you of what I said about Dundee and the ethnic diversity of the city where we live. See, this is a, a shocker for me and maybe for you, but it's true if we had an imam in here tonight. And I don't think we do. But if we had a group of devout Muslims who came through the door and sat with us tonight, do you know the bottom line is, they would be able to agree with the vast majority of what has been said tonight. There's thousands of people in Dundee who would say, what, you're saying Jesus is a, he's a what, he's a a prophet? Yes, we believe the same, a great prophet even, we believe the same thing. So you see a second question that we have to ask. The second question is, Well, is Jesus of Nazareth anything more? And would you help me? Do you remember where we left it? The Old Testament prophets, they predicted the future. They performed miraculous acts. What else did we say? We said that they performed symbolic acts. And is that not where we see something richer in Jesus? Do we not see something greater in the ministry of our Lord? Surely we know this that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was not merely symbolic, his ministry was not just figurative, it did not just communicate a message. Isn't it glorious for the church to know? Jesus' ministry was actually effectual, not just symbolic, but Jesus actually in his ministry he secures our salvation. He secured everlasting life. And what was the fourth thing? Those Old Testament prophets, authorized spokespeople. Oh, Christian friends, you know that Jesus Christ was infinitely, he is infinitely more than that. Jesus Christ does not need to wait to hear a message from a higher power in order to deliver that to the people. Why not? His authority is based on who He is. Jesus speaks God's Word as God Himself. And I love this. I love this. Understand that Jesus Christ, because He is the Son, He is not just the one who is able to deliver accurately God's Word, but Jesus as God's Son, He is able to cause those words to be received in a person's heart. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that amazing? Who is this Jesus? As Peter makes very clear in our text in the book of Acts, Jesus is that great divine prophet that Moses spoke about in Deuteronomy 18. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is the one Where all of what was said about salvation comes true. Everything that the prophets waited for comes true in Jesus Christ. All of the prophecies and all of the prophets are fulfilled in Him. And that's why tonight the appropriate response is adoration and it's also gratitude. We can say, as the church, can't we thank you, God, that Jesus of Nazareth is more than just the prophet and God thank you that Islam has it utterly wrong and that what the book of Hebrews says is true and what is that that in the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son So we are considering Christ as prophet. We've looked across the table at the Old Testament prophet. We've considered Jesus. I promised you that we would think about three persons, didn't I? So who's the last person to consider uh, this evening as we draw things to a close? Friends, under the spotlight, the last person is you. Because this evening, I want us to consider what all of this means. Christ as prophet what it means for you, for the way that you live. What does it mean for today? What does it mean for tomorrow? And I want to mention three things as we close. Please get the three things. First, because Christ is prophet, we should listen to him. Because Christ is prophet, we should listen to him. Um, were you here this morning? Uh, lots of you were, some weren't. If you were here this morning, uh, you'll remember what was said about the continuance of Christ's kingly rule. Do you remember it? I had said that when Christ was ascending, that Jesus Christ, thankfully, as he ascends, he did not look back down, and he did not say, see ya, you, you're, you're on your own, that Jesus continues to reign in heaven and reign as king. I think, sincerely, something like that needs to be affirmed when it comes to Christ as prophet. Jesus Christ bodily is in heaven, but Christ still speaks as the divine prophet, and he speaks now. And when we ask, well, how is that even possible? How does that happen? I think you know there are two ways. You know that that Christ speaks through his Spirit doesn't he? Right now, he speaks through his Spirit. And before he ascended, Jesus promised his church that he would leave the comfort, he would give the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit speaks today. Yes, what's the other side of it? The other side of it is amazing. Christ as prophet speaks today through the preaching of his word in his church. I've known that for years, and it still amazes me. Does it not amaze you? Christ is prophet today, Christ in heaven, but today he speaks through the preaching of his word. I want you just to listen to this. This is from the book of Ephesians. Now, think about when Ephesians is written. You know, first century, Jesus bodily, he's in heaven. And Paul is writing to Ephesus and he's writing about preaching, and listen to what Paul is able to say. In that preaching, in Ephesus, what happened? Christ came, and Christ preached to the believers, in Ephesus, through the spirit, through the preaching, through ordained men, in his church, Christ speaks as prophet. I'm asking you, next Sunday, will is going to come up on this platform. And Will is going to stand up here, and he is going to speak to you. What do you think is happening in that moment? What do you think it is? Do you you think it is just a a tall chap standing up here in front of you, sharing with you things that he's read during the week about the Bible, perhaps might be for for mutual encouragement? Is that what's happening? Is that all that's happening? No. Think about the wonder in so much as what is said is in line with Holy Scripture. Next Sunday, as Will preaches, Christ as prophet declares truth. Christ himself speaks. What should be our response to that? We should look at preaching in a whole different light, shouldn't we? And we should listen to Christ. We listen to him. Second, there's only three. Seconds. Because Christ is prophet, we should turn to him. I want to put the text back up on the screen, if we could, just a few verses from Acts chapter 3. It's a section of scripture, I'm sure, that is uh, so familiar to you, Acts chapter 3. What exactly is happening in the text in Acts 3? Look at verses 19 to 23. There's this established pattern in the book of Acts that you know about and it's the pattern of an event being followed by an explanation. You find that in Acts, don't you? There's a big event, and then that's used for explanation. Did you notice what the event was? You must have done. Peter and John, they heal this lame beggar, don't they? It's an amazing thing, and it draws this massive crowd at Solomon's portico. That's the event. What's the explanation? First of all, What does Peter do? He explains who Jesus is. He explains. Everyone's been waiting for this divine prophet that Moses spoke about. It's Jesus, he explains. But then did you not feel the urgency in that apostolic preaching? Look at the beginning of verse 19. Look at the first word on your screen here. Do you not feel the urgency? Christ is this great divine prophet. And what does Peter say? You listen to him. You must listen to him. But more, Peter Peter says, repent. You need to turn to Christ Jesus. You need to turn in repentance and belief. And simply put, if you're not following Jesus Christ tonight, if you're invited along by a friend, if it's your first time in church, if you're listening online and don't normally do this, you must hear and respond to that call. Jesus Christ, yes, prophet, but he is more than an Old Testament prophet. He is not just a prosecuting lawyer. Jesus Christ speaks about judgment. He speaks about salvation. But Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, brings those things about. You need to go to Christ in repentance and faith. So we must listen. We must turn, third thing, last thing, If Christ is prophet as he is, friends, we must speak of him. Um, It's it's not always the case. (sighs) But this evening, I genuinely get to end the sermon with something that I find so beautiful and mysterious. (laughs) I think we, we know, if we know the Old Testament scriptures... We know that in these Old Testament roles, what are they, prophet, priest, and king? We know that they were accompanied by anointing. We know that, don't we? If you were a prophet or a priest or a king in the Old Testament, you would be anointed. What else do we know when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry? He was anointed by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit with him in every area of his ministry. This is the the beautiful thing that amazes me. Christian friend, by you being united to Christ by faith, listen, you today share in that anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, now stick with me, think about it. By you being united to Christ this evening, by God's grace, you participate in the prophet, priest, and kingly work of Jesus Christ. You are prophet, priest, and king. You are permitted to participate by being united in Christ. I think it's best summed up in the Heidelberg Catechism. Let me read it to you. I don't know what question it is. Somebody, some smart person will tell me later on what question it is. But the question is, how are you a Christian? Listen, because... I, by faith, am a member of Christ, united to Christ. Now listen, and so I share in his anointing and wait for the prophet, priest, and king bid. I share in his anointing. I am anointed to confess his name. I am anointed to present myself to him as a living sacrifice. I am anointed afterwards to reign with Christ over all creation. And isn't that marvelous? That's you. You tonight, you share in this anointing. You participate in this threefold office of Christ. You get to enjoy and share in Christ's kingly rule. You're going to reign. You will reign. You get to share in Christ's priestly office. We get to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. And in light of tonight, what's the last one? You and I get to share in Christ's prophetic office. What does that necessitate? It necessitates that we go out and speak of Jesus Christ. That's it, isn't it? We we have received the prophetic baton from Jesus Christ in a sense. And the role of the church today is to go out, be his ambassadors, and speak of the greatness of our mediator, to speak of the wonder of the accomplishment of his redemptive work, were to go and tell of a salvation from sin that is freely available in Jesus Christ. And in light of what Peter says in Acts 3, in light of what we have seen today, Christ is king, Christ is prophet, is there not a sense right in, the, in, in your gut, right in your heart, is there not a sense that you want to do that? Do you not tonight even want to go out and tell Dundee and Broughty Ferry and this area around us of the majesty of Jesus Christ? Go and tell all of these people with all of the wide, errant views of Jesus who he is. And who is he? Come on, the three roles. Who is he? He is the King of Kings. Jesus of Nazareth is also our great high priest. And we can see it here in Acts. Who is Jesus? As the one who has fulfilled the prophetic office, Jesus is the only one who has the words of eternal life. Let's go and let us speak of our Savior. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray.